everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. So today we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 14, where this chapter is really just packed full of miracles that Jesus is performing. Um, And I think what's unique about this is we've seen miracles before, but these seem to be um, significant and stand out. So we're going to see Jesus feeding 5,000 people. He's going to walk on water. He's going to do lots of healing. Uh, But what is interesting about this chapter is it starts out very dismal. Uh, with the the description of how John the Baptist had died. And something that just really sticks out to me is the humanity of Jesus and how he is kind of withdrawing from all of these people, uh, just, I think, to grieve while simultaneously kind of just like feeding their hunger for wanting to see miracles and, and to be healed and to be part of this great big thing that Jesus is doing. So, That's where we're headed today. It's a rather short chapter, but it feels like there is just so much that is packed in here. It makes me so sad. Like the beginning of Matthew is literally about the death of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And the last time we saw John the Baptist was in chapter 11. We talked about that in the episode about chapter 11, if you want to go back and look at that. Um, But he was having this like faith crisis in chapter 11, basically saying like, are you who you say you are or not? Are you going to save me or what? Yeah. And we find out now in this like past narrative, don't get confused by it. Uh, Jen, Jen, I think confused. I should talk about that all just right, for a ahead. hot clear, second. Clear that up. So in the in chapter 14, verses 1 all the way to 12, it describes the death of John the Baptist. However, verses 1 and 2 are talking about what is happening presently. Mm-hmm. Okay, a discussion that he's having with disciples about someone that they think is John, mm-hmm. who is Jesus. And then we go into verses 3 through 12 that describe how John was actually killed in the past. In the past, correct. Oh, that was so hard to wrap my head around. We just spent like 20 <laughs> minutes trying to hash that out, uh, if you want some background <laughs> knowledge. But w- what is sad about this is there's there's so much messed up in this. So Herod had John the Baptist arrested because... John the Baptist was calling out Herod for his sin. So like John was confronting a political, powerful leader Mm -hmm. for the sin in his life. John got canceled in like the worst way possible. So point number one, if you're going to try to make the case that Christians should not be involved in politics and Christians should not be saying much about how the world is being run you're going to have to make sense of why it was okay for John the Baptist to do it because Mm -hmm. John was very confrontational. That's why he was in prison. And if you think about it too, Jesus was quite confrontational himself. Definitely. But all grounded within truth and like right reasoning. You could make the case. Remember back um, where, where Jesus compares himself to John and says, hey, we're on opposite end of the spectrum. You might be able to make a pretty sound case that John the Baptist was confronting the influential, powerful political leaders of his day, telling them they were evil. Uh, and Jesus was confronting the influential, powerful religious leaders of his day, mm-hmm. telling them that they were evil. They both lost their lives because of it. Um, also, what's sad here about Herod, Herod is such an interesting figure. First of all, he steals his brother's wife. Yeah. Gross. Then he makes his brother's wife's daughter dance at his party. I'm guessing it was not like an interpretive dance kind of situation. Yeah. I mean, kind of. So 
because because he he basically stole this wife in the first place. Like it's it's very strange. But Stepdaughter niece. He makes an <laughs> oath. Who does he make an oath to? He makes an oath to God, most likely, and then feels bound by his oath to God to kill a prophet of God. It's very messed up. And I think it's it's a great example of how evil political leaders all of a sudden care about religious things when it has to do with what they want. Because he is scared to be he's scared to break his oath, which Okay, like he's just running around murdering people left mm-hmm. and right. He's he doesn't care about what God says, and two, he doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of this group of people. So it does remind me of Jephthah. Jephthah's in the Old Testament. And he says, "I will sacrifice anything that runs through my door to honor the Lord." And then his daughter runs through the door, and because he's a fool, he thinks that he should sacrifice his daughter to God, and he does so, not even understanding that God says, "Like you're not allowed to commit to sinful oaths." So Herod has committed a sinful oath, uh, and he carries it out, and he kills John the Baptist. So that might be more than what you were bargaining for, <laughs> but there's a lot to unpack there just in that short little thing. And then, this this is like Jesus' cousin, by the way, John the Baptist. Then Jesus finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been murdered, and he just wants to get away. <laughs> Twice in chapter 14, Jesus is trying to be removed to a solitary place so he can pray and spend time with God. Well, I think what's interesting and unique about the situation is that you read that and it feels really heavy. And unfortunately, a lot of times what happens today, I think, is we hear these specific stories. So whether it's something that you remember from your childhood or if it's something that is preached on, you hear the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and it seems so significant. And it is. But to me, having just read the death of John the Baptist, Mm -hmm. and how Jesus reacts. The first verse, uh, Matthew 14, 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And to me, I feel like I've always heard that. Like, if you start face value right there, it's like, oh, Jesus just went to be alone. Jesus is mourning and, like, grieving the loss of his cousin, in like a super horrific death. And so to me, I sort of get this different perspective of Jesus and how much he is already sacrificially giving to these people who just seem very like leechy to me. They're just like coming along and just like, hey, give us more. Show us more of your cool stuff. Um, And I almost can resonate a little bit with the disciples because in this passage about feeding the 5,000, the disciples kind of seem irritable with all these people who are just coming around because I'm assuming good friends of Jesus, they would have also felt the tensions of the fact that Jesus' cousin was just murdered. Um, And so they're like, tell these people to go away, like tell them to go home and get their own food. And Jesus in his mercy, um, he like kind of reprimands the disciples a little bit. And he's like, well, you give them something to eat. Like, you take that responsibility. Um, so he is still offering and extending grace to these people who just are like, give us something, show us something else that's amazing. Um, while he's grieving in this like horrible, like state of mind about his own family. So I think it speaks a lot to what we see in that pair or excuse me, in that miracle followed by, you know, all these other miracles right after like Jesus is in a mental state of just like depletion I would feel like um, and he's just still just giving and giving and giving uh, fun fact feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle recorded in all four gospels uh, so this obviously had a serious impact on the people who witnessed it 
uh, and they they wrote about it, mm-hmm. all of them, and to the original audience, the people receiving the food. Uh, if you think about yourself growing up on Bible stories, if you've been around church, if not, that's fine. But um, if you've listened to a lot of stories, you just have those in your mind. One of the stories that these people would have had in their minds was how God miraculously gave them bread in the desert after the Israelites came out of the Exodus. Like they left Egypt, they lived in the wilderness. God miraculously gave them bread out of nothing every single day. Here, Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, and he is able to give them bread out of nowhere. So it would have had one, obviously it's super impactful. How did he feed this many people um, with this little amount of provision? But two, um, it would have reminded them of stories from their past that meant a lot to them. So it's like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, This man probably is who he says he is. Well, and then so quickly after that, so the, the people are fed. It says in the next section where Jesus is about to perform the miracle of walking on water, it says in verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So again, we've got this image of Jesus where in my mind, he's always just like with them, but he's actually not like he's there dismissing everyone and like having everyone go super graciously while the disciples are out on the boats getting away themselves, he's like setting this tone of complete humility right off the bat. I was just going to say, like, make sure you catch how much of a suffering servant Jesus is Mm -hmm. just here, just here in chapter 14. Like he's looking out for his disciples, making sure that they get on their way and they get some rest. Mm -hmm. Um, He is slowly dismissing the crowds like this. This is Jesus, the headline speaker, making sure that everyone is slowly ushered out of wherever he was and everybody is cared for. So he feeds everyone. Uh, he cares for his disciples in a personal way. It seems like he cares for everyone in the crowd in mm-hmm. a personal way. And then finally he's like, oh, I can finally catch my breath and deal <laughs> well, with what's and going on. It even says here in verse 23, when evening came. So like a huge portion of the day has gone by. So after he dismisses all the people, he again goes off by himself just to kind of, I would assume, just have that time to just process. I mean, I can't imagine like, you know, two hours is sufficient enough to process the death of someone that you care so deeply for. Um, However, after that, it gets dark. The boat that his disciples were on are like, it's clearly gone at this point. Um, And what's crazy is, I don't know why I always thought this, but again, if you're not reading the Bible for yourself, you start to like make up your own versions of these stories in your head but Jesus is on his own like he's not with the disciples at all and in my mind I've always placed Jesus in the boat and he just starts to walk out and then calls Peter out to him however that is not the case so Jesus is like catching up with them (laughs) for some reason in my mind it just seems really clunky like oh hey guys here I am Mm -hmm. Um, but he makes his way out to them simply by walking on the water Um, and I'm sure it like completely startles them because they're not anticipating one someone walking on the water two being at night and three like (laughs) they're just kind of doing their thing out in the middle of the or in the middle of the sea again we're used to hearing these stories yeah they were experiencing them (laughs) they don't have any context for this so i've heard them before get hassled like oh my word how could they think it was a ghost like because like (laughs) people don't walk on water that's and also they weren't they were by themselves he was not with them i think that's easily forgotten like They probably assumed that he was just going to get his own boat or like see him the next day. Okay, so here's something I want to hear from you guys on. Audience, listeners, I would love to hear from some of you. What do you think about this? Because I'm reading over this story and one of the things that stuck out to me, I'd say like one of the main things that sticks out to me is Peter sees this and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. 
And Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and crying out. And he cried out, Lord, save me. So it seems like from the text, okay, Peter is able to walk on water simply because he believed that he could do it. It could be that he, you know, he believed that Jesus would give him the power to do it. Mm-hmm, I was going to say, yeah. And then he sinks simply because he stops believing that he could do it. The reason that this gets my attention is because if you, if you listened last year, I was paying a lot of attention to miracles and how they're described and what brings them about. And it does seem like here uh, that Peter is able to walk on water just be, because he believes that he can, which could imply that when we believe uh, we can do things that you normally can't do. I mean, I guess obviously, uh, but I don't know. Sometimes I really, I really have a lot of hesitation about that sometimes because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to teach something that's wild and crazy. Like if you believe that, it will happen. But it does seem like here in this immediate context, Peter believed it. It happened. He was distracted by the waves. You've probably heard this. This is like the stereotypical way to teach mm-hmm. this. He was distracted by the waves. It impacted his faith in Jesus because he assumed that the waves had more power than Jesus, and he starts to sink. I think the idea of fear. And that is also really present too, like how much fear can creep in of like doubting who God is, doubting God's power, very similar to what you were saying. But I think it's a good illustration for us because how do you explain the crazy things that have happened in your own life that you have seen God literally working miracles in your own life that you cannot explain? There is no explanation for it outside of the fact that God truly delivered or was like apparent in what you were asking Mm -hmm. or seeking. So I think... If, if I can, I think that your part for today, I think this story of Peter is incredible. Please uh, leave a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Tell us what you think about what happened to Peter. Send us an email. Leave a comment on, you know, wherever you're listening. Just let us know, like, what do you think happened? And was it because of his faith or was it because of Jesus' power? Um, the your part is, and I feel like it's in line with what we've been saying, when we are sold out to God's kingdom, when we care about nothing but God's kingdom, we should not allow ourselves to be distracted by what seems like scary waves. Uh, how often have you heard people talk about World War III recently? It seems mm-hmm. like we're talking about it more often than I would like. Uh, how often have you heard people talking about the crazy economy? If you're listening in the United States, the crazy mm-hmm. election. Actually, if you're listening <laughs> in the United States, everything is crazy. Crazy everything. Um, <laughs> Listen, don't be distracted by the waves because God is in control. And when our eyes are on him, we are aligned with his plans and his purposes. When you take your eyes off of him, you are not any longer aligned with his plans and purposes. So if you get really wound up about finances, really wound up about elections, really wound up about World War III, I'm not saying we don't care but we need to understand that God is in control and we focus on him and what he desires and what he is doing. And when we do that, he is with us and he sustains us. Uh, What better way to live your life? So thanks for joining us today for Matthew 14. We'll be back again tomorrow with some Matthew 15. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading.
Matthew chapter 14. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist, here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away and go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.